0: So we're back. We're back. We're back. We feel bad that we skipped January, everybody. Did we skip December, too? Yeah, we had a long holiday break. (laughs) (laughs) We did have a long holiday break. We're sorry. But here's the deal. None of you messaged us and told us that you missed us. So we're not really sure if anybody knows that we took a long holiday break.
1: (laughs) I think you all just assumed we quit. That's what Did you we all quit?
0: Said. they might have <laughs> thought, "Oh, they're over it. They quit." We did not quit. We did not quit. We did not. So, we are back with our first episode of we could call it the new season, but we'll call it the new year. And today, we're talking about packaging. We get lots of questions in our training about what you do for primary packaging evaluation with biocompatibility. So, Don had this great idea to bring in one of our other colleagues, Ed Arscott.
1: Exactly, cuz you know, Ed and I ramble on about a lot of things, and one of them happens to be packaging from time to time. So, hey, from time
0: to time, you know. So, joining us today is our colleague, Ed R. Scott. He first joined NAMSA in 1987, and since that time, he's uh, been the manager of microbiology and in vitro talks before leaving to take a role with Depew. And then he came back after 14 years. We lured him back to NAMSA. They always return. And uh, in 2013, he came back and he was in our validation group and really consults folks on packaging and reprocessing validation. And he's currently a senior product development specialist, and he consults in the field of medical devices with experience in all terminal sterilization methods, biological indicator development, packaging shelf life studies, and uh, reprocessing, environmental monitoring. He's just a good old microbiologist with a lot of really great medical device experience. So super happy that Don had the idea to do this topic and invite Ed. We had a lot of fun, I think, didn't we? We did. We did. And don't let
1: Ed fool you. He knows something about BioComp too. So
0: He knows a little bit about everything. You're absolutely <laughs> right. And uh, I even came up with a few things that I knew. I wasn't think I was going to have anything to say about this topic, but I remembered a few.
1: There you go. There
0: you go. <laughs> All right, enjoy this episode, folks. We're happy to be back.
2: Welcome to Biocompatibility, the first ever podcast focused on the biocompatibility of medical devices. NAMSA is happy to bring biocompatibility to you where each episode features leading industry experts and their discussions on biocompatibility challenges. Be sure to visit www.namsa.com for more information and to access all podcasts and transcripts. We hope you
1: enjoyed today's episode.
0: We can say Happy New Year since we've been lazy and haven't done a podcast let this year.
1: That's true. We've been, uh, you know, (laughs) apparently neglecting our podcasting duties. So,
0: we have. Oh, we have. <laughs> January January flew by with us not recording anything, and I don't know about you, but I did not receive any emails from anyone asking where we were. <laughs> did you? I
1: did not. I did no. not.
0: <laughs> well, <That> was... <laughs> not even failing. Our 10 <laughs> listeners failed to remind us that we did not record in January, but here we are. February. February. And we have another one of our NAMSA colleagues who has joined us today, Ed R. Scott. Hi, Ed. Welcome to Chatability.
2: Hey, excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me to this esteemed (laughs) chat.
0: Well, esteemed, you know, right now you're getting exposure to 10 people who may or may not know you.
2: (laughs) That's 10 more people than I had before. So I'll take it.
0: So We're making this a biocompatibility-related topic, and it's maybe people wouldn't normally think about it as a biocompatibility-related topic, but we're going to talk about medical device packaging and how it relates to biocompatibility. And Dawn, I know you've recently done some training for some folks, and that's what kind of spurred us to this topic. So Ed is one of our packaging experts at NAMSA, and among other things. I read in your bio, Ed, you used to manage the in vitro laboratory in Ohio. Is that right? Was it in vitro?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. It, it was, it was the, the initiation of the in vitro toxicology laboratory that stemmed out of the managing of the microbiology lab that then did cell culturing and then started into all the genetic, like the gene tox stuff and things right. like that. So it just kind of evolved into me. I didn't like <laughs> will it into me it it was kind of you know there were only three managers at the time a tox a micro and a chemistry manager and uh so hence that's where it started with but yeah that was
1: another So you
0: have notch biocompatibility my yeah you have biocompatibility history in your yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> he he tries to escape it constantly but I keep bringing him back you know I, right? I just, you, won't let it go you know well, back back in the days, validations just not the spice of life without biocomp involved. Well. <laughs> <So it's, laughs>
2: back in the days, I mean, there there weren't a lot of areas to you know expand into at the time with with the lab that we had, so it just worked out. But uh, yeah, happy to help and uh, kind of join between the two biocompatibility and packaging realms here.
0: Excellent, well done. I have completely punted this entire episode to you, so you're in charge. <laughs> I'll put in what little wisdom I have now and then.
1: <laughs> uh, no problem. No problem. Yeah, and I, I think uh, as you mentioned, I was, I was doing some training um, on the topic of biocompatibility and, and packaging, And I think when we always when we evaluate the biocompatibility of devices. Certainly packaging is something I think that people typically think about, like your device should come out of a package before you test it type thing. And it doesn't necessarily go much beyond that. And then when I started thinking about BioComp and more specifically, lo and behold, Ed came to mind. So before I did that that training, I, I reached out to Ed just to kind of chat about his worldly experience with packaging. And whether anything with regards to biocompatibility happened to come up, and and lo and behold, when he took his leave from NAMSA there for quite a bit and then came back to NAMSA, based on what Ed and I were talking about, you know, the the world of packaging in that regard in terms of biocompatibility did rear its ugly head from time to time. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, I, I guess I would say in a, a very simplistic manner, biocomp and packaging came together when you were not at NAMSA Ed would that, that be fair to say?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that was not a area or expertise that I knew really was was a piece and I, I had left NAMSA back in ninety nine and went to a large orthopedic facility here in Warsaw, Indiana. Pick whichever one you want.
0: You could but, shout uh, out. We don't care. <laughs> To Pew
2: <laughs> orthopedics, Shout way out to go, J um, <laughs> <laughs> and J. Uh, and they they kind of wooed me away from for the sterilization side. But as I became more involved in the manufacturing operations and what a manufacturer has to deal with, it it, it became readily apparent that you know the way that packaging in, interacts, especially with implants. Because they're sterilized, things can occur with that type with that packaging as it relates to the devices, and it, it it deals with contact. It deals with you know how intimately that packaging is in contact with the implant or a device because they need to protect it from different avenues, be it cosmetically. Because if there's a polished finish, they don't want it marred. Protection for the packaging. So it, it was interesting to understand how the packaging design influenced, you know, w- what they used, how, how they used it to protect both the device and the package.
1: Yeah, and I, I guess speaking to that, it, and it kind of segues with what you just said, actually, into that, that one standard that, that, that's out there that tries to elaborate on the topic a bit more ASTM F2475, which is literally the biocompatibility evaluation of medical device packaging materials, which sounds like you're like, okay, if I want to understand the topic, this is going to be the, the key to my success. But be forewarned if you take out the table, it's two pages long. So, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a picture book.
0: Is I mean, the table yeah. useful though? <laughs>
1: That's an interesting question um,
0: well. there's, no te-
1: there's no text in the standard in the standard that tells you how to use the table exactly okay. it, do- it does like the text doesn't say as referenced in table x you know it just says it talks about the topics that are in the table but it but it is interesting because again, Ed and I were talking about this, and I think the 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 topic of cytotoxicity came up between me and ed and and I was like, okay, Ed. When you saw packaging changes and somebody said, "Hey, I think Ed knows something about biocompatibility. Ask him." I think you know one of the common things Ed that you brought up was the fact that you know you saw a lot of cytos being done because somebody changed something about the package. Which, if you look at that table in that ASTM standard, certainly the only biological test that you'll see listed in the table is cytotoxicity. Amazing. And 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 wow. You know. And it's kind of interesting as well because what Ed just talked about, part of figuring out what you need to do, don't need to do is based on the device package interaction, which, you know, certainly makes makes sense with what what Ed was describing. So if there's no contact between the two, if there is contact between the two, but they're both solids. And if there's contact between the two, but something's a semi-solid, a liquid, then there's like different expectations, let's just say. So there's certainly some guidance in that, in that table um, in terms of uh, further evaluation. But, you know, there, there is at least some emphasis placed on cytotoxicity testing. Um, now, there's a, a nice little footnote with the CYTO that says other endpoints relevant to the device should also be addressed um in the evaluation of the packaging and i think that one of the themes that you'll see which in that standard is is the concept that your level of evaluation generally speaking for the package shouldn't exceed what you would do for the device that it contains you know that's what
0: seems makes, logical seems logical
1: <laughs> but it also begs the question are you going to test your package as if it was an implant if that's what it contains right so, yeah, I don't know if anybody's seen an implant. Ed, do you ever see a packaging get tested like it was an implant? Sounds scary. No. no.
2: It, it, there, well, I'll, I'll say that there were like post issues that were potential issues where there was something in the packaging that they found that could it have transferred to the device more particulate based versus residue based and there's always going to be that potential of you know something being in the bin of you know the the trays that are being done from the last or you know it's transferred that they're static that has a hair attached to it. it it's not systemic to the problem but those come back as product complaints and then certain ways a you know certain levels of, of risk are evaluated and and it all comes down to risk-based approaches as I know you guys deal with a lot in biocompatibility. You know, The same thing is you're evaluating that risk as to what the potential is, be it from a particulate, be it from uh, a new packaging material. I mean, it may just be a cytotoxicol that you could deem as something to evaluate, but you know, it it, it could be if you're changing how the material, it's something new. It's, you know, now a, a dip coating or something. I'm I'm just kind of spinning that. But like, if you wanted to protect it and have like a peel off, you know, like something to protect a mirrored finish and it, it was a new coating, that they could just do a peel off kind of like what's on your cell phone, you know, to protect mm-hmm. it before you get tested. It. I, I, it, it's something that was floated through there. And they thought that the risk for something like that was going to be a little too great just because of residue transfer and things like that. So it really is something that maybe somewhat glossed over, but uh it, it's definitely something to think through as you're doing any packaging changes or designing a package.
1: Yeah, and
0: it's that's interesting. That's- Sorry, go ahead Don.
1: Yeah, I was just yeah, I was just gonna say, I mean, if you look in the standard for devices, ISO ten nine nine three part one, you know, clause four point three it calls out packaging and, and kind of speaking to what Ed was saying, packaging materials that directly or indirectly contact the device can transfer chemicals to the medical device and then indirectly to the patient or clinician. You know, and you'll see that concept in other standards as well. You know, where you know this idea of transfers, whether it be like chemical or a particulate, could likely, I guess, raise the greatest risk because there's no direct contact with patient themselves. And I guess, yeah, for sure. And that, that, that's like level of interaction is, becomes like the basis for the evaluation to some degree in ASTM F2475, because, you know, they do that. If there's no contact, then you don't need to do something like CYTO. If there is direct contact, then biological testing like CYTO should be considered. And if there's direct contact and one of them's a liquid or a paste or something like that, then things get more interesting. I will say that's the area where I've seen packaging get treated more like the finished product because there's the more, the greater likelihood that it's going to transfer something from the package to the final product that could change the biocompatibility of the final product. But now, and then,
0: yeah, yeah, go ahead, sure. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, you, you kind of, I actually had a thought about this. So mark and mark it down. You know, in in the trainings that we do, we get asked a lot about primary packaging. What would you do for primary packaging? And I think that's an interesting one is if I have some sort of a cup that has something in it that's gonna be in, in situ cured. Like what's my evaluation? That cup is primary packaging. And that one certainly might be more different, a different type of evaluation that then the like tray that my catheter gets put into that molded tray and then sealed. So I think that's, that's an interesting nuance when it comes to packaging.
1: Yeah. And in like, in your situation, that, that kind it's of a delivery it, device. Yeah, Jeez. Don't <laughs> say that. Cause I've seen that nightmare <laughs> play out. And re- I use part of my package to deliver my device to the patient. Should I do something <laughs> about that? Uh, yeah. You just changed the rules on me all of a sudden.
0: In the orthopedic world, Ed, did you have any of those types of things where you had like the, the? I know most of your stuff was probably hard metal or plastic devices, but did you yeah, have any of the in situ stuff?
2: No, not not that I can recall. Really about the only thing that, that was close to it was maybe the um, bone powder, the, the sure. mineralized bone, bone powder where it was in a glass vial and, and things like that. That, that had a, a, a little different spin on it. But uh then an implant, even though it still is an implant, that was in essentially an in situ that you're dumping the whole product into it. It had internal contact with the glass. So, you know, that, that kind of put the the glass in a prime primary packaging more more like a pharmaceutical because sure. that was the containment device.
0: So like USB evaluation. Yeah, exactly. Like a USB mm-hmm. class six type of thing for that type of packaging, Don. Is that a type of an evaluation that would be used for that? It's, like, it you read, it's like
1: you wrote the standard, Sherry.
0: <laughs> oh, so, I didn't even cheat and read it. I've just <laughs> listened to you guys enough over the years. Some of that crap sinks into my big old brain.
1: <laughs> so uh, so it, that, that table, you know, I've mentioned cyto and particulates being in that table. But the right. other three columns are infrared spectroscopy. Okay. Now that's material, not extract material based yep. non volatile residue with a limit of less than or equal to 15 milligrams of residue from a 50 mil aliquot based on a six square centimeter per mil extract so anybody that's a usp661 <laughs> buff says that came straight out of 661 well it did so kind of speaking to your point Sharon, you know okay right. yeah and then there's this rather nondescript column that's titled Extractables and leachables assessment. Ah, oh. that sounds dangerous enough. That does sound problems. dangerous. Yeah, part 18. And you know, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that one's kind of left open. It's got an X in the column, but it only applies. That column only applies if you have that semi liquid liquid solid or container interaction, which I guess to me sort of makes sense. Kind of speaks to what you were talking about, Sherry. Um,
0: yeah, what, what can it draw out of that plastic or whatever it's put in, right? Yeah,
1: because there's a mechanism now, right? There's a a vehicle that could actually do the pulling out, not just, you know, the belief that by contacting one another, there's a chemical that's just going to automatically leach, it, you know, which would be the case if you are dry packaged, solid device, solid package against each other. Yeah. I guess you could maybe, this is kind of funny if you think about it, you know, maybe. A non- so you say. You think yeah, it's
0: funny.
1: well. Funny. Yeah. I was going to say that too, Sherry. <laughs> wow. Well, it, I mean, it's kind of interesting because for, for salad.
0: Again, so you say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to shut up and let you finish your thought.
1: No, it's, it's just that in that table, if you have salad against salad, You do an IR, it it recommends or describes an IR, NVR, and cytotoxin particulates. But if you think about the solid, touching a solid, if there was like a chemical that was going to transfer, it seems most likely that it would have to have some level of volatility to it to actually get out of the package and into the device. But the one chemical test that's mentioned in the standard is non-volatile residue. more, more likely, those things that come from the mass of the material that might come out that, you know, that you'd have to pull out in a little bit stronger way, even though there's not a vehicle to do it, I guess, unless it's humidity in the air within the package, which I would think you're trying to get rid of. But anyways, yeah, so I, I think there's, there's certainly, like I say, this table is, I, I view it as a guide. I know that there's been more and more companies requesting this type of testing to support packaging and packaging changes coming through our laboratory. But I can't say that I'm aware of the standard getting referenced and put in front of a regulator quite yet. It's, it just came, this version came out in 2020. The other version was, I think, it was like 2010 or something like that. It was earlier. So this new version came out in 2020. The old version had a table in it too, but it had a whole bunch of, Columns with biological endpoints in it, unlike mm. this table does. So, you know, FDA recognizes the standard though in its entirety.
0: Oh, well, that's you know, good.
1: The 2020 version. So take that for what it's worth, but it is recognized by the FDA.
0: So don't skip it. Don't skip yeah. evaluating your packaging to some extent, right? Yeah. Wait, uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know. Ed, I just thought of something. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Don. Don. <laughs> so I know you deal a lot with reprocessing. And I was thinking about, you know, those metal trays that instruments and such come in. You right, know, That's a form of packaging, right? So what's the biological evaluation type of process for those types of things?
2: And that's an awesome question, Sherry, because I, I actually have worked with a tray manufacturer right here in Warsaw, and, and they actually make and sell trays and things like that and they truly look at that they look at their metal components if they're anodized and things like that and there's a a, a standard the ST77 ANSI ST77 which kind of has the same little hey you should assess biocompatibility it, it's very general but it does give the you should look at it you know for devices now for that those reused devices really are cleaned and things like that. So the amount that is transferred are really like contact points. And probably the bigger part of reusable devices isn't really the packaging, but potential residues from the cleaning or the disinfectants that may not have been rinsed sure. off. So that's that that's looked at kind of differently. But I see where you're, you know that avenue is coming from. And, and, and it really should be evaluated, especially if there's like, I, I'm sure you've seen them, but there's like, Silicone brackets that sometimes hold them; those have more contact and pinch points than just resting it on like a metal cavity. So, yeah, that that's kind of asked to be evaluated if if you're putting a new material or bracket material that's in intimate contact with that reusable device or instrument.
0: Yeah, so excellent excellent question. Way to go! Oh man, sometimes I pull a good one out. So that original time, like when you first designed that case and your first. You know that those things that come into contact with the instrument, yeah, I thought I forgot about the silicone or the mm-hmm. you know the little brackets that hold them in place, yep, at least some sort of an evaluation. Let's make sure you're not using you know what was it exactly. hard, door? hard door plastic, isn't
2: that yeah, like a rubber gasket like that absolutely <laughs>
0: and, and and really
2: on that same vein if you're talking about sterile products it's sterile package, that same idea when when you're talking about say a a orthopedic pin or something like that that's got a sharp edge and they want to protect it inside their pouch package. I mean, the idea first would be to put a little rubber cap on it like a, a stopper to protect that pin, that sharp edge edge of the pin. Well, those are most likely tight fit. They're probably some type of a silicone. They're made probably you know thousands at a time in an automated system with likely a mold release agent or something like that to get it off the tool that they're making it from. Those residues, you know, unless they're cleaned or they have, you know, them prepare it that they don't use a mold release agent, but making sure that your suppliers understand what the use of that component is going to be ultimately in touch of is the whole cycle of product development that you need to make sure that everybody knows that this is going on the end of an implant that's then going to potentially transfer whatever mold release or anything that's in contact with that. And so there's, there's always a risk associated with that. Again, that, that's a supplier issue. That's knowing the quality inputs that you want to provide to that supplier. All those things really come into play when you start thinking of the, <laughs> the ramifications of what you're doing to everything that comes in contact with that a device prior to patient contact.
0: Excellent. Well, I've learned a lot today.
2: <laughs> hey, there, there's a lot of knowledge going here that I, I can, I can stop.
0: say. Yeah, I learned today, so I can stop. I can call it a day. It's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm done. I've already learned something. <laughs> <laughs> <We're done. laughs> so, Don, did you have any other? Uh, I did not. I had no idea what your topics were like today, how far extensive we are. So, did you have anything else, or are we ready for a game? I think we're pretty good. I
1: mean, Certainly, you know, I think just the 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 concept of having the discussion was just to not forget about your packaging when Don't it comes to forget biocompatibility. About packaging yeah, now I most will probably say, well, yeah, we tested the device for biocompatibility after it came out of its final finished package as well, defining the final finished device, yeah, but you know, oh, the number of times I've assumed that only to be wrong, so you
0: know. Yeah, if you do it, make sure it's clearly documented, and that's yeah. part of your evaluation of your packaging. Okay. Yep. And
1: it's
2: gone through the sterilization. Don't don't just package it,
0: uh, send
2: it for biocomp. Make sure it's in its final process form. I always try and get my own little sterilization world. You know, some of the <laughs> the life in these biocompatibility chats where you're just kind of forgetting about that end product of sterility. You know, that's the key. It needs to be biocompatible. It needs to be sterile. Nice. Good.
0: There you go. (laughs) All right. I
2: sleep well knowing that. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right, let's have a little fun here. Ed is a first time guest. I think we prepped you for two truths and a lie.
2: Okay. So, So guide, guide me on the best way to present my two truths and a lie
0: speak them okay
2: <laughs> straight up i like one, it two
0: and three yeah you just go number one is x number two is x number three is x and then we try to guess which one one two or three was the lie i That's love
2: it. stumping the panel okay stump, stump us Stump, stump the panel okay in, in package shelf life testing now this is not biocompatibility related so eh, in package shelf life testing Conducting accelerated aging testing of packages for the desired expiration date must be followed up with real-time testing. That's number one. Transportation simulation is a key factor when designing a package shelf life study. And the last one, the use of two sterile barrier systems in a sterile medical device package is essential.
0: I got my he answer. you used a
1: lot of strong words like must and you know, essential.
0: I used to sell packaging validations, so I'm pretty sure that I got this answer.
1: What's your answer, Sherry?
0: Number three is a lie.
1: Number three is a lie. I'm going with Sherry. Number three because. is a lie.
0: I remembered something. I've, I've, although Ed's done some trainings, so I've listened to Ed do trainings too. So I, every once in a while, remember a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Nineteen years of listening to all this stuff, I've, got, I've absorbed a few things. All right, I'll go next, and you know, mine are always. Random. So, number one, a customer once asked me about using saran wrap for their packaging. Number two, I once visited a customer who had their quote unquote real time aging at home in their basement. And number three, I find packaging design very fascinating.
1: Okay. I'm going to go with three.
0: <laughs> you think three the lie?
1: Yeah, because I think I can... two is a lie.
0: You think two is the lie. I stumped you both. Number one the is the lie.
1: Being used.
0: I, I could see, I, I see that, but I've never been asked about it. Okay, so.
2: <laughs> okay, there, because I, I could see it too.
0: Yeah, I've never been asked about it, but I could see it being done. But I love packaging design. Like when I get things in the mail, I mean, I order a lot of stuff. I love looking at packaging design and going, how did they fit that all in there? I got these huge reindeer for my yard from Sam's this fall and the packaging and how they fit them in the box was amazing. So I'm just saying, I think packaging design is very fascinating.
1: <laughs> wow. And, you, and you've called, you know, some of our guest nerds for, you know, <laughs> liking bio I'm a co-op. packaging
0: nerd. Yeah. I had a friend whose nephew went to be a packaging engineer and I'm like, oh, that's so fascinating.
1: It,
2: it really is fascinating to see what they Think of and how they do it and the tooling that they use. I, I mean, I kind of saw it on the periphery and it really was intriguing, at least from the medical device side, not from from Costco or you know, you know Sam's. things things like that or Sam's Club. So
0: yeah, and I mean, the prettier the packaging, the better too. Like if I open the box and I'm wowed with the detail and the oh, it's you know, <laughs> I comment I comment to companies on how great their packaging is. Uh anyway, I'm just like an Instagram uh influencer, you know, when it comes to packaging. All right, I'll stop. Go, Don. Stump us. I don't think I've ever right. stumped everybody. That's my first time.
1: First one leave it to packaging. Leave it to packaging. <laughs> Who knew?
0: Maybe uh, that's our title. Leave it to packaging. Leave it to packaging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if device
1: isn't safe, leave it to the packaging. I don't
0: know. There you go. All right.
1: Here we go, I've used packaging biocomp data from a supplier of the packaging to support a packaging change without actually testing the package myself. I've seen the IFU for the instructions for use of a device, like the pamphlet itself, tested for biocompatibility because it was packaged (laughs) near the device. I've heard of a regulatory body asking for the evaluation of a secondary packaging component due to the indirect contact of the secondary packaging with uh, by the caregiver, which then may be transferred to oh my the gosh. patient.
0: All of those uh, are true. All of those have to be true. I, I, that's what I was thinking. That, I, I
2: can't
1: figure out a lie in that one, Don. <laughs> uh,
0: uh. What was number one again?
1: Using uh, I've used. Oh, you packaging. said
0: packaging a lot. I
1: know. Yeah, I used. A supplier, <laughs> a packaging supplier right, of right. data.
0: I'm gonna say number two because I think somebody wanted to do it and we informed them they didn't have to. But I'm gonna say number two.
2: Again, I, I, I would have to go with you in hoping that somebody with, you know, a good sense of reality decided to not do that and put it in the package.
1: You guys are both right. I stumped neither yes. one of you. But <laughs> I, I recall all... being discussed numerous times.
0: I do, too. Yes. I think I remember that little teeny folded <laughs> up. You know how they fold up the the IFU like super tiny, but it's like this thick. <laughs> yeah. And I, had,
1: I, I, want, I remember having to discuss at length the complications of trying to extract paper. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Amongst other things.
0: Amongst yes. other things. Yes. I mean, you could have done a closed patch sensitization
1: could have. If you, you really wanted to waste some money. Direct contact well, Sido. There you go.
0: There you go. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for joining us. Oh, it was fun to be recording again. Don, we need to do this more often and not skip months.
1: Yeah, I know. You know, <laughs> we're waiting for all those topics to come streaming in from all of our listeners on what they want to talk.
0: Yeah, we need more topic suggestions. Yeah. Ed, if you ever have any topic suggestions, you just and you're welcome back anytime. Wow, thank look you so at that! I, I
2: got invited back. That that's probably the highlight of my morning so far.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, you've had such a rough morning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It's that possible. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, and uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode.
2: Thanks for listening. If you enjoy biocompatibility. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast store. For free resources and material, remember to visit www.namsa.com resources podcast.